0: So today, I'm sitting down with you, Candy, uh, and we're going to talk about her journey in entrepreneurship, um, tech work, and getting more uh, people into the workforce, specifically women of color. And I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about her work, and I can't wait for you to hear from her. Uh, before we get started, I would like you to introduce yourself, please.
1: Yes thank you so much for inviting me. Um, my name is Julkendi Valdez, uh, Afro-Latina uh, from, from the mi- Midwest. I'm quarantining currently from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, you know I, I have that story being the first in my family to go to college, low-income family and trying to, to experience uh, the job search and landing a job after school and realizing how terrible it can be for people that, that looked like me. So that's when I made it my passion, my commitment to really facilitate the journey for young people of color uh, with a focus on, on women of color to make that transition from education into their, into their career. Because we are the new majority. We're not a minority any longer.
0: That's so great to hear. And I think that those stories are important. And uh, we've come to this time where we want to do something about it, right? We don't want to, oh, we struggled through it. Therefore, this is just what it is. Like, we need to make it better for the next generation. And that's really great that you're doing that. Uh, What did you go to school for? So,
1: you know, early in high school, I heard the term social entrepreneurship. And I thought, ways is that who I am I had this aha moment but at first I romanticized what it was I saw I thought a social entrepreneur is someone that goes to a different country a developing country and 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 changes the world and I'm like I don't think that's it I don't think that's what a social entrepreneur is supposed to do and at that time you know it was mostly a, a image of a white man or a white woman um that and you know it's like I want to be a social entrepreneur too. What, what does it look like to be someone that, you know, uses the power of business to solve real societal problems? So I knew I had that passion for, for community um, and, and, pe- and helping people, um, but I didn't have the business acumen. So I, I said, I think the best option for me would be to learn more about the private sector business um, I didn't know at the time I, I was gonna be a full-time entrepreneur. I mean, I was I was low income. I was counting on that first big shot job, but uh, after going to business school, that's when I really got uh, uh, exposure to this world of of entrepreneurship and technology.
0: And then, did you end up? And then you ended up working in corporate America, right before you stepped out to go full time. No, no. Oh, you're so still it, Things
1: right. accelerated. So I got to I got to business school, um, small school, in Massachusetts, um, and you know um, I said, oh, I still need to get a job. So let me get internships, and it was fun. I actually like learning about the opportunity that that employers have, and that I can explore these different roles um, and. Uh, Working new products and innovation, and so I kept going through through that process. But on the side, I started this this project. Um, at first, it was a program for uh, young young women in the Dominican Republic. Um, I said, you know, I want to be a social entrepreneur, but maybe starts doing something closer to home. So I went back home uh, in the Caribbean and I said, hey, there's a lot of programs already for young women. What we need is to bring everybody to the table and discuss gender equity. So that includes men. And so it became more of a curriculum around social justice and talking about gender equity. Then we started talking about racial equity and what that meant in the context of the Caribbean. And so I would go to my internship, then right after I would travel to the Dominican Republic to do these programs. And I ended up realizing, well, I, I actually like doing these programs more than the actual job,
0: mm. and then
1: fast forward to my junior year that's when you're you know about to ready to to sign on the dotted line and figure out where you want to work after senior year and on July fifth, two thousand and sixteen on my way to work, I heard about the death of Alton Sterling out of Baton Rouge, another black man being shot by the police, and it just Hit me, right? He's not—he's—he wasn't the only name. We know many, many, many names, and sadly, we keep hearing them. But for some reason, his particular uh, death really affected me, and I said, "Hey, I can't go into work with this going on in my community." So I mentioned I'm from St. Louis, but I—I I used to go to school um, in the Ferguson school district. So that this issue hit home with with Michael Brown and. So I, I decided uh, very impulsively, but in my heart that I, I, I didn't want to work in corporate America. And I decided to go full time with with what at the time was a project. And, and, and throughout senior year, I had to accelerate in turning that project into a real business. So I never actually made it to, oh. to corporate <laughs>
0: Now, that is the part that I (laughs) missed. I thought maybe you worked a little bit before you came over, but you know,
1: that's a short stint.
0: Right, right, right. Short stint, and then you were out, you know. (laughs) Better that way because once they get hold of you, you can't leave anymore. (laughs) Uh, But that's really great because you were so passionate about uh, that cause. You knew exactly what you wanted to do, and you forged out, you know, it probably wasn't comfortable to do but it's something that you enjoy doing and you just made that leap I have like a few more questions but <laughs> a lot of questions so but what is one of the biggest lessons you've learned uh from jumping right into what you're doing now and then we'll go into talking about what exactly you're doing
1: yeah and I think you gave me too much credit I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do um <laughs> As, as you know, uh, I mean, that project started as an international project, doing programs. That's not what we do today. No. Nope. <laughs> so it's just about, I just follow a passion, right? I knew, I, I knew there was a problem, something that I care about. And I was tired of being this visionary kid, right, that just writes the flyers from a business, but never goes out and do it. And so by the time I got to college, I really wanted to actually do something, mm-hmm. whatever it is, start small. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in terms of really how that evolved over time is, is, is finding a team around me. So right away I, I met, uh, my co-founder, uh, Josuel, who, who shared a similar background. So he was also a Dominican kid that grew up in Queens with a single mother. So we had a similar kind of a story there and we were both tired of being the only one in a room, Right. The only um, Latino kids, the only black kids in the room um in in business, and we said you know there there's really something going on here. what is the root problem and and how can we be part of of that solution so I think that that really helped finding uh someone a partner mm-hmm. uh, to really do this work with, and so you know these today we 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 uh, I think romanticize what a co-founder is and and now all the tech buddies, they had a Mm co-founder. But I think in the reality it's just someone um, that has the same mission as you and and, and you want to work together in solving that problem. So that's one of the first lessons that were instrumental for me. And then from there, it's just, again, start small, Mm -hmm. follow what your customer says, follow the problem. Mm-hmm. You don't have you know that whole idea of having a business plan, a whole strategy on day one it mm-hmm. doesn't really exist anymore. It's really about following your gut and following that problem over time
0: and that kind of ties back so when I say you knew exactly what you wanted to do didn't necessarily mean the process, but you're trying to solve a problem, and you knew like you had to do something, you know, most people know there's something going wrong, but they don't necessarily know what they should do or how they can contribute. And you made that leap and go, you know, we're going to figure this out together. Um, I always say, follow your gut. Think if you love something, it will work out. I mean, fail fast if you have to, rather than sitting and trying to build that process and create that business plan and strategize and spend years, but never really go anywhere. Um, so let's talk about, uh, your work right now as a forefront, right? Um, so let's talk about what that does, that organization, company, uh, however you prefer to refer to it. Um, I want to learn a little bit more.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for asking. So, um, what we realize is, is, is over the conversations we have with young people around so social justice um, uh, in, in the Caribbean and Latin America, we actually took that project to Mexico and to Chile. Uh, what we realized is that that curriculum we built could actually be uh, used for corporations um, and organizations in the U.S. who were looking to increase their diversity and inclusion initiatives. So I always say by accident, I became uh, a diversity and inclusion practitioner. Um, and so essentially, uh, at that time, we started to do uh, unconscious bias workshops and training, focus on helping companies, again, get talent like me, young people of color. At that time, you know, I'm a millennial, millennial of color. Now, Generation C is here, um, Any anybody born between 1995 and 2010. And Gen Z is 48% people of color. So now, how do you? How do you build cultures that are ready for, for these next generation of workers? Um, and that really launched when I graduated in 2017 um, and we've, we've did that work for, for two years and a half. and fast forward to last year, we want to figure out how to scale that using technology. So was I a tech founder on day one? I was not. This was all. I was uh, you know in the education space. we were the trainers, we had to travel. We had to do the workshops. Uh, but the tech piece came because customers said, hey, you need to scale it. And so we're like, okay, what does this mean? And that's when I truly started to look at technology and what was already out there. Um, and so we, what we try to do is, is bring our training online. Um, and uh, that process was really, really difficult, right? There's a lot of players um, um, in the education and workforce space So we had to do some self-reflection about what work we wanted to do long-term. And so we did a 360 and decided that actually with students, young people, we always had the most fun. You know, what do they need? Um, And so now our organization is developing online tools leveraging artificial intelligence to help young people make that transition from education to career. Uh, So we have tools like Carmen AI, Uh, they're bots that uh, coach you through the entire job search process and help you with your LinkedIn, your resume, your mock interviews, connect you to mentors. Um, and, And these bots essentially can be licensed by schools, employers, and organizations to use to support their young people virtually, especially amidst covid where (laughs) now that's a big big problem Mm
0: -hmm. that is amazing amazing work um so when you say that the bot like helps you connect um like job search and connect to mentors um do you find the mentors so do you have a network of mentors or do you partner with another group of uh people that have mentoring as part of your program
1: yeah, so we, we have our own pool. So uh, one of our tools is, is free and available, Carmen um, AI. Um, but if we license it out, we're licensed to organizations that have their own network and pool of mentors. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit of both depending on, you know, where you want us to come in versus what you already have on, on hand.
0: Got it. And the age group that you focus on, even though it's school age, is it 16 to 24? Was that the age group? Yeah. Okay. you yeah, so know out of high school. Yeah. Understanding that now,
1: more than ever, you know, it's not like linear. It's not high school to college and a job. It's mm-hmm. it's now um, high school or GED to a training to an apprenticeship or a coding boot camp. So it, it's a very multifaceted journey um, and it's good it's there's a lot of options for young people now. The problem is that there's a lack of awareness and there's still uh you know people still mainly look at college as like kind of this golden star there and anything else as as less than but once we start changing that mindset,
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: the sky's the limit right uh, mm-hmm. and so We're also making sure that technology caters not only to the traditional student, but adult learners or uh, non-traditional learners that don't follow the path as we know it.
0: Mm -hmm. What are some of the biggest challenges uh, you've seen with those um, like women of color uh, that in that age group that um, they're struggling with, there could be a hindrance in them getting in that workforce? or being prepared for a career? Yeah,
1: so uh, we've been doing some uh, research on women of color and technology. The final report should hopefully be released uh, mid to late August, uh, mm-hmm. but we, we released some initial findings through, through a tech talk we did. We're, we've been doing this research with Leader Spring Center out of Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been national in that way where we interview women from Boston and New York to uh, San Francisco uh, and and in Cleveland so uh, we we've talked to a lot of women of color in tech and their experiences and right now it comes down to you know women of color are still not getting equitable feedback they're not getting the feedback they need to move up in in their career and we Usually that's happening because of bias. So there's this disconnection this with, with managers um, that don't have experience really building relationship with, with women um, of color. The same thing with, you know, um, just getting access to critical projects, you know, and, and, and being, getting to be in, in the room. And, you know, that's not a fault or doesn't speak of the talent that women of color have. It's just that the existing tech ecosystem is not catering to them. But what happens is now women of color by 2060, they're gonna be the majority of the gender, gender workforce. So if, if you don't wanna miss out on this huge, incredible talent pool, uh, tech companies really need to start changing the way they recruit, engage and retain uh, women of color and particularly black women who are graduating uh, in computer science, higher
0: rates. You know, that's they I, have skills. I've seen some of those statistics and they scare me um, because uh, black women do, in fact, earn a lot of the computer science degree and apparently a lot of other degrees that are not just computer science, uh, but you would never know that from. Uh, you know, looking at the workforce most of the time. And, you know, as a woman of color myself, uh, I was always the only person in the room. And one day I stumbled upon a Facebook group, and it's like Black women in tech, and there was 5,000 people. I was like, five
1: thousand people
0: <laughs> like where because I mean you know I've been to conferences you know like Cisco Live where they have tons of people and there's still maybe three women there of colors like what happened to us um, so it's um, we really you know that that's part of the work that like Bridges and Tech is doing as well is how do we bridge this gap, right? Like, we got to figure something out and we're doing the work to help everybody get there. Um, so on the employer's end, because you're also working with employers to help them create inclusive environment and tap into this talent, can you talk a little bit about what that work looks like for you that you're doing?
1: Yeah, um, you know, we, we realize that we can use the same technology um, around artificial intelligence in our in our chatbots to help employers meet the needs of all employees and to really enhance that experience especially now you know the whole remote culture is becoming the norm um, but employers don't know everything that's you know that might be happening with their employees like their 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 state of well-being their Situation at home with their family. So, how do you create that that support system around? You know, I think we're finally getting over the you know w- the whole thing. What was happens out of the office stays out uh, it stays out of the office. That's it's not an option now. Yeah, I think if you want to be an employer of choice, if you want to be an equitable and inclusive employer, you do care what your employee. Uh, goes through a a home and what their lives are. So what we're trying to do is help employers create uh, communities like the one you talked about, Uh, help employers create mentorship and sponsorship programs. At the end of the day, relationships Mm -hmm. is, is, is still the most effective way to reduce bias. You know, if you look at what has been successful, in terms of moving diversity along, it has been mentorship programs that have been intentional Mm -hmm. at giving uh, professionals of color access to leadership. Mm -hmm. And the next step above that is sponsorship. Okay, you might have a mentor, but at the end of the day, I just need you to put my name down for a promotion. I need you to give me that project. I need sponsors to speak out for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that already happens for um, white professionals. That happens yeah. in the club, in in the golf club, or in the happy hour. Yeah. That's a norm, right? Oh, I know you. Uh, oh, I know your 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 father, your mother, your aunt. I got you. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't exist for uh talent of color yet. So we intentionally have to create it through through sponsorship programs as mm-hmm. well. So we help companies run these initiatives around really um uh, uh, looking at these network gaps, mm-hmm. breaking them down, and instead bringing their company together to create more access for, for uh, employees of color.
0: That's really important. Uh, you know, when I learned about like, the difference between sponsorships and mentoring, and, uh, you know, I think the person that first told me about it was, you need somebody in the room when you are not there to talk about you. And that's what a sponsor does. I was like, huh, why didn't anybody tell me this before yeah. now? <laughs> and that was a white person. And so, I mean, uh, and when I discovered like even happy hours, a little bit late in my career, I realized you go to those happy hours and that's where people make like a lot of connections. And, uh, so I actually started, I would always go and I'd be the only person of color and then I started, I would bring another person of color, right? If I'm going to a happy hour, I'd be like, you got to come with me. Because apparently you know, this is, is where all this stuff happens. <laughs> and, you know, you're out at work, working so hard and all of this. And the magic is all happening at a happy hour that you never went to. <laughs> uh, so it's just like the, very, like the things that we don't think about. It's not something we talk about in our community. Uh, we're so hard on the, you know, work hard and everything would just work out. But as we all know, we work really hard, but everything doesn't work out. So we're definitely missing something. And, I'm, um, you know, it's really great that you're doing the work that you do on both ends, right. Uh, on the employer end, but also the employees. end. uh, the other question I want to ask is, uh, so you are accomplished a lot. And even though you're still very young and, um, you know, for uh, Forbes 30 under 30 congratulations uh I don't know when that happens so I'm just gonna congratulate you like it happened yesterday <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> and but what would you say is one the accomplishments that you are most proud of yeah um yeah I think I'm, I'm proud that
1: you know I took an idea and put it into action um, that's what entrepreneurship is. Again, I'm all about simplifying these terms because sometimes we hear it and, and it's, it's, it's just, we need to take ownership mm-hmm. of what that means for us. Um, so I'm, I'm proud, I'm proud of that. And, um, I'm proud to get the opportunity to build a team around me and, and, and that I'm not doing it alone mm-hmm. because it had taught, it has taught me how to be a better leader, uh, a a better person, Um, you know, and I think the good thing about uh, doing entrepreneurship young is that it's a free, it's a free MBA, you you know, (laughs) free leadership program. You just get thrown um, in, in in the ocean and you got to figure out how to, how to, how to swim and, 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 and and make space for you. So I'm proud of, of the journey more than the outcomes Mm-hmm. that have come at it. And that's what makes me excited to, uh, you know, this might be my first business, but it certainly won't be my, my last. Cause I know a- every time I build a business, I'm just going to learn, learn so much, get to know a lot of people. And, and that's, you know, more than anything, social capital is the most important thing you, you mm-hmm. can have, um, in, the, in this world.
0: Absolutely. Um, what would you say is, are some things on your list, on your bucket list to accomplish? I mean, you have a lot of time, obviously, to get to them. But what are some key, maybe two things um, that you would like to accomplish as time goes on?
1: Yeah, um, I think one, definitely um, in this business, we, we know one thing It's an important opportunity to be part of that tech ecosystem, land a job in tech and get equity, right? And and then the other thing is to build your own business, there's still only a handful of black women that have raised um past a million, right? And then uh, I don't even know the number for for Latinas. Um and I'm on <laughs> section. So you know I, I think I I do wanna try to build a unicorn. I don't want to use that term because oftentimes, you know, it's not the term we created, but but I do wanna build a really vc back startup, right? I think there, there needs to be more of us out there uh, because we can't have another kind of Jeff Bezos situation. Not to call out names, but it's like the same kind of look, the same kind of thing. And again, those type of founders are not working for, for our communities. Yeah. So I think a big goal around that. Um, but I wouldn't do it at the sacrifice of impact. I will continue to be a social entrepreneur first. Right. That's just important to me. And then, two, I want to make more um, policy impact. You know, I, I consider going back to school to also study public policy. Our education system needs to change as well, and we, you know, we need to do this work earlier of preparing our young people for the workforce. So I'm also intrigued by that, and and, and want to be part of some policy change. So, luckily, you know, that's why I see it. You know. Right now, we don't have to have one career. We can have no. <laughs> careers over over our lifetime.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that you are doing amazing work. And whatever you decide to do, um, you would do it just well and great and over the top. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I have that like I have that faith uh, because it takes a lot of courage to even get where you are today. Um, and not be held back by all the societal uh, norms where you'll go to college and you graduate and you go to work for somebody. And then maybe while you've worked for somebody, you can decide to do something else. But uh, that takes a lot of courage and you've already shown that and you should be able to carry that on into other uh, areas. Um, So what do you do for fun? Uh, you know, when you're not out uh, working so hard and making social impact and all of that, what what does a day in your life of relaxation look like? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I never have full days of relaxation anymore. I think when you're an entrepreneur, you're always thinking about your your business. Um, but when I do have the time, I love traveling um, and and and. Um, meeting new places trying out uh new foods i you know i have a goal a personal goal is is definitely to travel to as many countries as possible i mean that's how i get my inspiration it keeps mm-hmm. me grounded um, cuz you know it's not only the problems of what's going on in the us you also get a better picture when you also look at the entire world obviously given covid and a pandemic i had to figure out what are what are new ways to get um self-care um yeah so so that's that's changing but I just try I I picked up um uh biking again I I also had a short stint with with cycling in high school and I always wanted to pick it up so yeah I just get on a bike um go to the park and and on wine um and and you know trying to be outside more these days in nature um and so that's and different uh, type of excursion, but also valuable when you get to connect Mm -hmm. uh, with nature and just unwind from Mm -hmm. from all the Zoom meetings uh, we're constantly having these days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine you've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Have you been doing uh, also like uh, speaking, right? Not just uh, maybe one-on-one meetings, but... um public virtual meetings these days because there are a lot of virtual conferences now uh, have you been involved in those during this time? Yeah mainly um,
1: I've gotten the pleasure to to speak a lot to young people you know either that we're participating in summer programs that had to go virtual um, and luckily a lot of organizations have done great work on making mm-hmm. sure they don't leave young people behind they still mm-hmm. get that internship they still get that mentoring experience. So those have given me a lot of energy. Cause it's def- definitely different than the one I'm meeting. You just see a lot of fresh faces and they have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try to do my best to um kind of give them very practical tips, right? Because mm-hmm. I think, um, like you said, that that work hard story, I don't I don't want to tell that story. When I talk to a young person, I, I wanna let them know the reality of the world they're about to enter in, but also Mm -hmm. that they're equally as smart, as powerful as anyone, and and Mm -hmm. they can definitely um, create the path that Mm -hmm. that they want for themselves. So I've been doing a lot of those with with high school students, um, college students,
0: yeah. That's awesome. That's something I've actually dropped off of, um, and I should probably get back into. But during the school year, I usually go to schools a lot, so I am in um high schools talking to kids about careers in technology. And then um school ended and it was all virtual. And then they sent us something and they're like, you can record videos and we'll send them to the kids. And I was like, uh, I don't know about this. <laughs> but I probably should have done it. I feel like I just left my kids hanging. Um but I'm sure there are other people filling those roles. But that's uh, and uh, that's something that usually brings me like a lot of joy and connects me back to purpose is spending time with uh, the young people and uh, being able to share uh, my story and my experiences and answer any questions they may have. And I think I always learn something from them too because they have a different perspective um, on life in one that is not filtered by all the bias and stuff that we've experienced so it's always kind of good to catch up and learn um those new things um so you were just mentioning about you know like the work hard thing is one of the biggest things i always wish that somebody had advised me on prior to my career was teaching me how to be more strategic than just working hard, right? Like you give me this one job and I'll just work really hard on it. But if I knew exactly how to be more strategic and only take jobs that aligned with um, my path and stuff like that, uh, I think, I mean, granted, I love the experiences that I've gotten, um, but what would you say is one advice you wish you had gotten pri- well, when you were say a teenager or in high school prior to now?
1: Yeah, no, I I I I think it's it's very similar to what you said, and and I I, I learned it in high school, but I didn't at that time understand to the extent because I remember I I used to be that A plus student, and I remember I think I either got uh, a minus or or B or B or something. It was a grade that I didn't like, and I remember going to my history teacher, and 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 his response was effort doesn't equal outcome, but I'm like, I have been taught that effort was the most important thing all my life and work ethic. So I had an aha moment, but at that time I didn't know, but then I entered the business world and I, and I remember that moment with my history teacher and he's right. It's all about relationships, Mm -hmm. networking, and putting yourself out there. You're going to meet people that you won't like. They might not like you, but you just got to keep doing it over and over again and growing that network, obviously being professional, respectful as you do it, being authentically yourself. But, um, that's the best use of time because that network, if you remain consistent, is going to do wonders for, for you and in your career. And, you know, it all doesn't have to be all professional. Those people you meet along the way might also become great friends. Um. So, so I that would be my number one advice, um, and I, so I completely, one hundred percent, agree with you.
0: And what other advice do you have for uh, this uh, women uh, of color that are already in the workforce and kind of want to get to that next level and grow in their careers and not be stagnated?
1: Yeah, you know, I I can speak for from my own experience because I obviously decided to leave the corporate world. But what I can say from the research we're, we're conducting and from the voices of other women of color um, in, in tech, it's very similar, but what worked was finding those, those sponsors, right? Those people that are going to be in the room where, when you're not there. So identifying who those people can be for you and getting to know them on a really personal level. So don't even start on the professional side. Find commonalities with that person. Um, find the things that they love to do outside of work. Build that bond, build that trust. Um, and and that person obviously should be in a, a decision-making power in the field they want to be or in that role they want to be. But start cultivating that relationship. Even if like right now, you might not looking for a promotion, this might be two to three years in line. But even thinking that, far ahead. So I would say, yeah, find, find a sponsor. Cause that's the key to making it, making it through the the corporate
0: ladder. Absolutely. So thank you so much for all of that. Um, I think that was really great. Uh, one last thing is if someone wants to get in contact with you, um, and maybe as an employer or, a person between the age 16 through 24 what should they do yeah
1: so uh go to our website
0: www.getforefront.co all right i will put that also in the description um, thank you everyone and then you'll find all the information you need to get started and let's get this growing <laughs> yeah so, Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Welcome to Bridges in Tech, a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of women of color in tech to learn about their experiences, things they're working on, and lessons learned in hopes that we can inspire other women of color to start technology careers as you are aware um, or maybe you are not aware there is a talent shortage for technology workers and we want to do our best to fill those gaps and also increase representation because as we know representation matters we also talk to allies leaders and recruiters on this podcast to learn about things that could change the way that we currently uh, do work today or recruiting. Um, yeah, anything else you can think of. So, thank you for joining. I hope you enjoyed this episode.